0: And uh, so I'm going to share a message with you today called, Where's the Wonder? Where is the wonder? And uh, and so I believe that uh, that it's not necessarily a deep message per se, but I believe that it is very applicable to all of us. And so I want to ask you this question to kind of kick it off this morning is, when was the last time that you were full of wonder at something? You know, like where you were amazed, something like, we would use the phrase, it took my breath away, like, oh, oh my gosh, like, you know, in that moment of just astonishment, right? Like, when was the last time that you experienced something like that? You know, I, I know that, um, you know, there's, I would even say it like this, is that even at times where you, something like stops you in your tracks, like, you know, I, I know this is kind of odd, but like when somebody's just really genuinely nice, and you kind of stop and you're like, why were they nice to me? Like, that's kind of a sad indictment on our culture, but I think it's true. The other day I was in Sam's and, you know, I had to go in there and I had to get a new card, right? A little membership card thing or whatever. And I just walked up to the register and, and I'm like, hey, I need to get a new card, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay. You know, starts so doing the thing. And I'm like, well, how are you doing today? And she stopped and just kind of looked at me and was like, man, that's really nice. And I just thought, that's sad. Like that, you know, I mean, I don't know how many frustrated people. It was early in the morning, so surely she hadn't dealt with that many frustrated people yet. And, uh, you know, but she thanked me for just asking her how she was doing that day. And, you know, and we have moments like that or those moments that just kind of come out of the blue and just catch us off guard a little bit. You know, I I think that I see it many times right now for me. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And so I love the newness of life for them. Right? I mean, like, we're going to the store. Like, yes! <laughs> it's like, I mean, they're just excited. And I'm like, I have to go to the store. And they're like, I can't wait to go to the store. And you see it in their face and you see it in their eyes and they light up, right? There's like this joy of just being alive that I'm kind of like jealous of. And I'm like, I used to be like that. And I used to have this wonder about me and just this like, <gasps> You know, just, I can't wait for today. Like, I don't want to go to sleep because I might miss something, but I got to go to sleep so I can wake up tomorrow, that whole thing. And I see it in their reactions, you know, and it's it's even in the, just in, maybe it's something new. Maybe, you know, like my son's into dinosaurs, right? And so we're like, hey, we're going to go to a dinosaur park or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. You say dino, he starts getting excited, right? I mean, you, you talk to my daughter, it's princesses or Sparkly things, or whatever it may be. I'm in trouble, by the way. Y'all go ahead and start praying for me this morning. This is totally off, but pray for me. My daughter's three. This morning, I'm going to get her dressed. And uh, she goes, I don't want to wear that. I have an outfit already picked out. <laughs> and I said, Really? And she said, Yes, it's in my room. Now she's three, and this is how she talks to me. And I was like, Okay, go get it. So she gets up, and she's all on the couch, whatever she goes in there. And I go in her room. She has three outfits laid out with the shoes and she's three. So, uh y'all pray for me and uh cuz I think I'm going to need it and uh but that's what was going on in my household this morning. But uh you know, but there is but it is funny. I mean like I buy my kids some shoes. I mean, they're excited about it. Like, they're just, look at my new shoes. You know, like kids get new shoes. It's like, it's going to make me run faster. I'm going to jump higher. Like, look, did you see? (laughs) Like, you know, and there's just this excitement for life, right? You know, my dad actually has this, and I call it like this boyhood wonder. I mean, my dad's obviously older than me, but my dad has this quality about him. It's like, my mom says it this way is that he wakes up in a new world every day. Like every, like he experienced something yesterday, but that wasn't today. And it's like, we ate this yesterday. He's like, yeah, but today it's better. It's like, he just has this life, you know, and if I'm honest, I'm jealous of him. And it's one of the things I really admire the most about him is because he has this boyhood wonder. It's not like I've been here before. I've done this before. I mean, like he just loves to live life. Right. And he just has this about him. You know, and I find that the older that I've gotten, the less and less wonder that I see in the world. The less excitement. It's just kind of been here, done that. I've gotten too busy. Like my kids will be, I'm trying to go somewhere. And then I look back and they're behind me and they've totally gotten just sidetracked because they found a bug. And I'm like, leave the bug alone. He didn't do anything to you. Let's go. But they are totally just captured in that moment. You know, and yet I walked right past it. You know, I mean, we'll be driving down the street. Like one day I thought this was funny. I asked Max, we were driving, and I'm like, Max, what are you doing? I'm just making a conversation. He's like, looking out the window. What, what, what you looking at, buddy? Whatever, just anything. I'm like, well, that's kind of boring, you know, but to him, he's just looking for the newness and, and what have I not seen before? And then every now and then, you know, like we'll go certain places and he'll be like, oh, I don't want to go there. Or he'll go to see other places like Chuck E. Cheese. He's like, hey, there's Chuck E. Cheese in case you didn't see it. <laughs> didn't know if you noticed you were going to Home Depot, but uh, we need to take a left, not a right. And, uh, you know, we need to go there. But there's this excitement in this, you know, in these moments where you kind of just get caught up in the joy of the moment and joy is really important to us. The Bible actually says it's the joy of the Lord that what gives us strength. So if we need strength, we actually need to what find some joy. And joy is not happiness. Joy comes from within. Happiness can come from outside. Happiness is also very fleeting. It, it comes very quick and it will leave very quick. But joy is something very different. But I believe that, that really when we think about this and, and, and consider this about where is our wonder? Where did it go and, and where did we lose it? Because it's not just in life, but let me define for you what the word wonder means. It says that it's exciting amazement or admiration. It's far beyond anything anticipated and it's astounding. Now, this is a different wonder than I wonder where I left my keys or I wonder where my phone is or I wonder what my kids are doing because it's too quiet. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about there? It's like something bad's happening right now. It's not that kind of wonder. This is a wonder that just is like almost overwhelming to you. And it overwhelms your senses in a way. And so let me ask you another question along this same line and along this same thought though. Is that when was the last time that you were full of divine wonder? Or divine curiosity? Like when was the last time that God stopped you in your tracks and made you look and consider him. When was the last time that, that in a, you just got caught up in a moment? Maybe it was in worship. Maybe it was in a devotional. Maybe it's just driving down the road. And just get, like God just wrecks your day, wrecks your flow. And all of a sudden, you're just aware and in wonder of who he is. Because if we're not careful, we will reduce God to something very small. And the problem with that is, is that when we make him small, what he can do in our life becomes small. You're like, well, I don't believe that. It happened in the life of Jesus. It, it actually says that in his own hometown, he could not do many works or many good things. Why? Because they knew him because they said, we know you. You're the carpenter's son. We know your family. And it says, and because of their familiarity with him, he couldn't do anything. Yet everywhere else that Jesus went, he did signs and miracles and wonders and amazing things were happening, but it didn't have, why? Because they couldn't see the wonder of who Jesus was. And my question is, is when was the last time that we just got caught up in wonder with God? Like, really? Really? Like pulled outside of just, well, I go to church and I'm reading my Bible because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I want to go to heaven and I don't want to go to hell. And these are the things I'm supposed to do. And I need to check those boxes. I mean, like, when was the last time that God just like opened your eyes and he became really big? Let me use another word. When was the last time that you felt like that God was epic? I mean, we, we throw that word around. Man, that was an epic movie. That was an epic game. That was an epic moment. That was an epic experience, right? And we use phrases like, I've never felt more alive than when I jumped out of that plane or whatever it may be. If you're a thrill seeker, some of you are like, that's not more alive. I'm, don't die, don't die, don't die. You know, like I, but, but when was the last time? Because this is where it goes, where really believing in God and having a relationship with him moves beyond just theory, more than just a ritual and routine, and it really changes over and moves into like a relationship with him. You know, there's times that my wife has to encourage me, my kids. Like this morning, I'm sitting in the chair, I'm kind of chilling, and they just both come and crawl up in my lap. Well, they don't know how much I needed that this morning. You know, and they're just all cut it up next to me. But you know that God actually wants to do the same thing for us. And he will do it. And so I want to show you some things. So let me, let me make this statement, and then we'll get into some scripture here. But I believe that we can actually be caught up in a wonder and amazement, like even by God's creation. Some people love to get out in nature. And they just feel close to God when they get outside it. And they're just like, man, look at what God has created for me. Do you realize that God said he created the earth for our enjoyment? Scriptures say that. It said everything that God created was for us. It wasn't for him. And he said, I want you to enjoy it. That's why I enjoy food. God made it. Praise the Lord. I should partake of it and enjoy it. I mean, you got to eat. It might as well be good food. I I don't remember exactly. um, I saw this meme this week. This is totally off my notes, but it was really funny, so I'm going to share it anyways. But it said, uh, it was some meme that somebody had shared. And it said uh, something like, man, y'all have hurricanes. Why don't you just move? You know, talking about people from Louisiana. And they said, well, your food stinks. Why don't you just move? I'm like, hello. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you got to eat. Might as well enjoy it. Praise I should get a better amen than that in South Louisiana. And uh, I'm just saying, I've lived other places and you are spoiled beyond what you even know. You're like, oh, we got good food. You have no idea. No idea. So I will rejoice in God's creation. Like, I'm one of those weird people that food actually makes me happy. Like, I, I kind of get giddy about food. Praise the Lord, you know. But what about, what about just being in wonder about God's presence? Like, in a moment of time where, man, I'm just in the presence of God. I'm like, God, you are incredible, Like you're so far beyond what my mind can comprehend or understand. But, and what comes out of that is worship, like real worship, not singing a song, but like heartfelt, real deep worship in those moments, or maybe it's your, you're reading scripture and all of a sudden, or maybe even it's just your mind and your own business. All of a sudden a scripture rises up in your heart and it's like, and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I needed that verse right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for bringing it back to my remembrance. That is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit, by the way, is it says that he will bring back all things to our remembrance when we need them. So when you get into a moment, and this is why it's important to put God's word in your heart when you don't need it so that when you do, the Holy Spirit can remind you. And it's okay if you don't know where it is in the Bible. It is Okay. It's a good idea if we know where it is, but God will bring it back to our remembrance. There may even be times in worship where we are worshiping together like we just were a few minutes ago. And you just kind of forget about everybody else. You're like, I don't even know. There's anybody else in this room. It's just me and God. And there's this, there's this connection and this nearness, and it will cause that wonder to be stirred up in your heart. Which, again, will turn into your worship. Because worship isn't singing It's heartfelt. It's this connection to God and and it will actually draw us into a relationship even closer and into an intimacy with God. We're like, God, you are great and you are amazing and you are wonderful and you want to do some amazing things in my life. Because without this wonder, all we have is religion. This is why it's important. If we don't have the wonder about who God is and his greatness, then we lose sight of who he is. And so he becomes small and our our belief becomes small. But when God is great and God is big, guess what? Our belief and our trust in him and our view of him and the capabilities and the possibilities of him become much greater. See, I would actually argue that faith is not just about a standard of which I achieve. Like, oh, I have great faith. I can recite scriptures. I would actually say that great faith actually comes from a great view of God. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. So if I want to have great faith and I need to get a bigger view of who God is, well, how can I do that? One way is through the word. One way is through worship, yeah, but there has to be this personal connection to those things. It can't be separated. And so I want to read a a decent portion of one chapter of Scripture today. Uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, you can click there, however you are engaging with Scripture. The Scriptures will be on the screens as well if you're here in the room, but I want to give you a little backstory into Luke chapter twenty-four. So the backstory is is that Jesus has already uh, hung on the cross. He's gone to the grave. He's been resurrected, but he hasn't. He's only appeared to one person that we know of at this point, which was Mary at the tomb. And uh, you know, and he's like, you know, makes a statement. She goes to hug him. He's like, "Don't touch me. I've not yet gone to my father." Blah blah blah. So that's the setting. And so you have these two guys. And so picking up in verse thirteen. So that's the backstory. Well, let me, let me give you a little bit more context for this to understand. So there's these two guys, and we don't, well, we know one of their names. We don't know the other one's name. But they are leaving um, Jerusalem, and they are headed to a city called Emmaus. And they're walking, and they're talking about the events of the last couple days. Now, the Bible actually qualifies these guys as disciples of Jesus. So they were followers of Jesus. So how would you feel... If you had put all of your hope, faith, trust in Jesus, that, hey, he was the conquering king and he was murdered, but he said he was going to be raised from the dead. We've heard rumors that they've gone to the tomb, but you're just wrestling like, man, I just changed my entire life to follow this name Jesus, follow this guy named Jesus, who's now dead. And do I still believe? Like, what do I believe? I saw everything that he did. I saw the amazing things. I had this great wonder watching him work miracles and do signs and raise the dead and walk on water. And he did all of these crazy things. But it's all over. Right? So that's kind of the setting of this passage So we pick up in verse 13 and it says, later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. It says they were in the midst of discussion about all of the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them on their journey. So you got two guys walking down the road. Jesus apparently comes out of nowhere. It doesn't really say, but... I think he probably just showed up and walked up to them. But it says that they were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside of them for God had prevented them from recognizing him. So for whatever reason, they see somebody walk up, but they, it just doesn't click for them that, hey, this is Jesus who just walked up. And Jesus, or it says, they stopped and, well, sorry. Jesus asked them the question. He says, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. So this tells you their mindset. Like they weren't like, Jesus is going to rise from the dead. We hear that he's rose and people have confirmed it. Like, no, they're like gloomy. Like, what have we done? Like some of these people had left their jobs and just started traveling and following Jesus. They forsook everything. And now they're like, what do I do now? And so it says that they're sad and they're gloomy. And Jesus asked, he says, hey, what are y'all discussing? And this guy stops and says his name is Cleopas, and he answers and says, have you, or haven't you heard? He says, are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened in the last few days? I mean, like in my mind, this guy's like, seriously? Like, what hole did you just come out of? Like, I, I can imagine, because remember, he's frustrated. He's dejected. He's, he's, he, he's just in this moment, and yet, here somebody's saying, hey, what are you upset about? You ever had one of those moments where somebody comes and asks you, like, this isn't that big a deal. And you're like, it's a big deal. And you're frustrated. And this guy's like, what are you talking about? And they, and so the story goes on and, and they begin to tell Jesus the story about Jesus, which is kind of funny. I would love to know the, I, I, in my mind, Jesus had to have a smirk on his face the whole time. Because they're literally talking about, like, he did all of these things. He went to these places. He did all this amazing stuff. We, you know, they, they crucified him. They said that he was risen from the dead, but nobody really, we don't know that for sure. And, and he's like, how do you not know all this? Like, where have you been? And then Jesus responds and says, man, y'all are some headed folk. I'm like, well, that's not very nice. It's not very Christ-like, is it christ you know, he's like, and he begins to say, didn't you believe the prophets? Didn't you know that the Messiah would have to have these things happen? And he begins to tell them. And, and then in verse 27, it picks up. And it says, and I I wish, I mean, this one verse, I'm like, that's not a lot of words for what's about to be said in verse 27. And it says, and then he being Jesus carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout scriptures. Jesus literally took them from Genesis all the way up to the scriptures that they had at the day and said, this is the Messiah. Every single account said, this is what this means. Because he didn't just say, hey, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. He said, let me explain that to you and what that means and what that means with the Messiah. Let me, so these guys got like a full on, I, mean, I don't know who these guys were and I don't know why they didn't say more about it. But they didn't. So he, he carefully unveils the revelation of himself throughout the Scripture. It says he started from the beginning, explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets, showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. Now these guys are still absolutely clueless. You would think at some point they'd be like, "He sounds familiar. <laughs> I've heard somebody." His voice sounds kind of familiar. The way he talks and the way he speaks and it just sounds familiar. Like you would think something would have clicked for these guys, but yet it doesn't. And it says, as they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead of them, telling them that he was going on to a distant place. And they urged him to remain there and pleaded, said, stay with us. It will be dark soon. So Jesus went into the village with them. It goes on. It says, joining them at the supper table, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And it said, all at once, their eyes were opened and they realized that it was Jesus and then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished before their eyes. Now, if that's me, I'm frustrated. I'm like, dude, I've been with you all day. I don't know how many miles we've walked together. You, we've talked, you've, you've expanded on scripture. I had no idea it was you. I had so many questions. And the moment I realized that you, you're out of here, right? And so in this moment, though, I, I want you to catch their response. And it says, number one, they were stunned, obviously, I would be too. You would be too. I mean, you ever had somebody just disappear in front of you? I have not. But, I mean, it's like he's here. He handed me some bread, and then I don't know where he went. Which this is why I think Jesus has a bit of a practical joker side to him. Because he did this multiple times where he would just like show up and be like, poof. You know, kind of freak people out sometimes. So I do think that Jesus is a jokester. And uh, that's just my opinion. Can't back it up with scripture, but... I don't think Jesus was boring to be around. I think he was probably a lot of fun. But it says, stunned, they looked at each other and they asked, why didn't we recognize him? And this is the, the phrase I want you to catch. It says, didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion when we walked with him or when, we, when he walked beside us? Wasn't there something happening on the inside? Like not on the outside. Like, as he spoke and as he shared and and as as he began to, like, there was something on the inside of us. The Aramaic manuscripts actually read it this way. It says, "Were were not our hearts dull as he taught us? Like, how could we be so clueless? Like, that was Jesus and we were just totally blinded to it. The New Living Translation says, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I mean, there was this, and I love the way the Passion Translation says: it, "Is that there?" says that didn't our hearts burn with flames of holy passion? Like there was something happening on the inside, even as he spoke, even as he shared. Like there was something, there was this connection, and I think, and I think it's very fitting that it is what happens. Is that they were stunned. I would actually add the word in there and maybe replace it with they wondered like they were enraptured in a moment and like, oh, my God, like their eyes were open. But also they saw the plan of God, because what happened was Jesus had given them a lot of information on the road, but it didn't change them. What changed them was the revelation, the understanding, the eye opening moment where Jesus is alive And all of a sudden, their hearts were full of wonder once again. Why? Because they were sad and they were gloomy and they were dejected. And actually, they got so excited, the Bible says they turned around and ran back to Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but after walking 17 miles, I don't want to run anywhere. Like, I just don't. But what happened? Wonder hit them. It's amazing what happens when you get wonder in your heart. All of a sudden, you get energized. All of a sudden there's this life that wasn't there previously. And I believe that's what happened with these guys is that they were stunned. But all of a sudden what they believed was actually true and it got confirmed. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my gosh, it is Jesus. And he was with us. And, and, and how could we be so foolish? And they ran back to Jerusalem and they told everybody they're like, we saw Jesus. He showed up on the road with us. And they, but it was this wonder that had captured their heart. And my question for you again is, when was the last time that God captured your heart? When was the last time that God stopped you in your tracks? When was the last time that he got your attention and and, and was there in that moment of need? And it's not always these moments of just this overwhelming, like just the greatness of God. Sometimes it's the, the, the understanding of the greatness of our need for God. Because sometimes we think we have it all together and that we have it figured out, not realizing that we are broken, that we are flawed, and that we need the grace of God at a very desperate level. More than any of us want to acknowledge. But we have to come to a place of recognizing our lack and God's ability. And saying, God, I need you. And just like with these guys on this road, is that that wonder filled their hearts and it actually empowered them to go out and to do and to share what they had learned and and what they had been told about because I think if we're not mindful and we're not careful we'll get caught up in just processing the details of scriptures Like, well, what is this scripture and where's that scripture? I need to learn this. I need to do this. I need to add this to my life and I need to change this behavior. And we can just what? Become robotic in our religion. And we remove the wonder, the actual power to live it out. So we'll just get caught trying to process the details. We'll just slip into the routine of just gathering for church and we miss the whole point of gathering. The whole point of gathering is to experience the presence of God together. It's not come in, sit down, listen, leave, repeat. That is not the purpose. The purpose is to get caught up. And I don't mean it's some crazy, weird stranger, but I mean caught up in the sense of like, let's remove the distractions, the things of this world begin to fade away and the greatness of God begins to to grow in our heart and we begin to see God in a different way that puts this earth and this life in its proper perspective. Because we can make our life the grand scheme. No, we're part of a grand, great, epic story that far exceeds our life. But we are part of the story. God has invited us to be a part of that story. See, the, the, the point of us gathering is that we could actually encounter the fullness of God. Like of his presence. Like whatever you need right now. Anything. And I don't mean externally i mean internally in your heart in your mind in your soul that longing there has to be more that is god calling you into something more like why do i have this desire like god i, I want you to be real he is he wants you to experience it it can't just be form it has to be function Like tomorrow, how will my life be different if I don't connect with God? How will my week be different if I don't connect with God this week? Because here's one of the things that I have found in my my relationship with God over these years is that there are times that I walk closer with the Lord than at other times, but there are times that when there seems to be some distance that there's a longing in my heart for that which was. There's a longing for that moment of wonder where I'm like, God, you are all that I need. You are all that I want. You're all that I really desire in my life. Because when I have, when I'm full of the presence of God in my life and in my heart, all the other things lose value. Because why? Because I've got the proper perspective of the value of his presence in my life. And we all need the presence of God. Like tangibly, real Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, in every situation and circumstance. I don't care if it's in your internal life, your external life, in your relationship life, in your business life. You need the presence of God. There is no alternative that is sufficient to replace him. Now, we try and we we do things and we work. We try to figure it all out in our mind. And we're like, well, if I do this, this is going to make me fulfilled. If I get to this level of of status, I'm going to be fulfilled. No, you will still be longing and actually you'll get everything and then you'll actually have more of a void because you'll realize like, I thought, like, let me give you some examples. I thought if I got married, I thought if I bought a house, I thought when I had a kid, I thought when I had that job, I thought when I got to this pay status. And you're always looking for something else, not realizing that none of that will ever satisfy your heart. Only God's presence would actually satisfy that heart longing. And we wonder why we walk around seemingly like zombies going through life, but there is no life to be really experienced. It's because we're missing the point. Is that God intends to be known, to be experienced, to be felt. He wants to stop us in our tracks and cause us to look up. Just like these guys, they were with Jesus and didn't know it. How many times is is God's presence right there with us? And we're not even aware. We don't even know because we're too busy. We're like me and the kids with the bugs. They stop to look at the bugs and I'm like, let's go. And how many times is God wanting to just catch my attention for a moment? I mean, I've had lots of experiences in the presence of God. The majority of them have been very quick, very just moments in a day where I just stop. And I just acknowledge, God, I, I recognize you in this moment. Many times it's, it's a minute, two, three minutes, maybe. It's usually not these moments where God just interrupts my day. It's like, scrap everything. I can't talk to anybody. I must go to the mountaintop to be with the Lord. Like, it's usually not like that. As a matter of fact, I've never had that. But that's the picture we get in our mind. Like, oh, you know, that's what spiritual people do. They just do nothing, they just go and be with the Lord. Like, whatever that even means, right? Nobody can really give you a definition, by the way. But no, it's those moments where something just hits you. I mean, like, I'll give you some practical examples of this that have happened in my own life. I was actually listening to a song this morning that I've listened to for most of my Christian life, off and on. But it just does something in my heart. I don't know. It hits me a certain way. And I used to work when I was in college. I worked in a bookstore and so um, for a little bit. And, um, and so one day I was walking down the CD aisle, because they had books and music and this and that. And there was this CD cover, and it had a baby on it, which was really weird. I'm probably like 18 or 19. But it just caught my attention. And I kind of ignored it, going, you know, Got to do my job, do this and that. Right, and I kept walking by kept, and it just kept getting my attention, kept getting my attention, kept getting my attention. And finally I just grabbed it, you know. And I was like, well, I'm going to take it back here and I'm going to figure out. It was, a, it was actually a worship album and it had this particular song on there. And it was like when I heard the song, something, in, something on the inside of me happened. And it's what this is talking about here when it says, did our hearts not burn? Like it touched something in my soul, like deep within me. And there's been times that I've had that with music. There's times I've had that with scriptures. There's times I've had that with even books. And it's like the Lord's like, hey, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And I'm not always as quick to listen and stop as I should be. But I, I've endeavored and I, and I want to be even better than I am. Is to pay attention to those little nudges. To pay attention to those little moments. Like when the Holy Spirit's nudging me to stop working and spend time with my kids, that kind of stuff. He is practical. Go play with the bug. I don't want to play with the bug, right? Things like that. When God wants to, you know, it, it, I'm an analytical person by nature, and so I've got, a, I've got a plan. My wife says I just fail to communicate it sometimes, but I always have a plan. And uh, But it's always amazing to me that I have my plan and then God's kind of nudging me and I'm like, I'm, I got it figured out. I got it figured out. And then I realize I don't have it figured out. And like, what was that nudge again? <laughs> like, oh, that's what I did. Yeah, that's much better than my plan was. But see, if we're not careful, we'll miss the whole point. It's actually for God to catch our attention. Kind of stop us in a moment. It opens our eyes so that we, we see the grandeur and the greatness of God. I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but without a a great view of God, you'll have a limited view of God. The bigger your view of God is and what he can and wants to do for you affects what he can and will do for you. It's the element of faith, right? But faith is, yes, it is a substance, but it's really a viewpoint. It's saying, man, that God can do immeasurably more than I can ask, think, and possibly even imagine. Like God, God can go beyond my wildest dreams. Like whatever your plan is, whatever your desire is, whatever your hope is for your life, God says, I have something better than that. You can settle for that if you want, but I actually have something better. And that's part of God's design, part of his purpose. And so the creator of the universe calls us Into an experience with him. Now we're not chasing experiences. Because we can. I've been a part of those types of things too. It's like I just want to go experience the presence of God. Experience the presence. Yeah but you need to have your feet on the ground. And your head up in heaven right. So you got to have both. Because sometimes people can chase just. I need an experience. Well that can also get you in some weird spots. Because what do you do when God sends you in a desert. You're like God you've abandoned me. No he's right there. Because that happened for me. Because I thought, you know, I heard somebody say it this way one time, and you're like, what do you mean by a desert, a time when God is silent? A time where you're in a trial, and you're like, God, why aren't you doing something? God, where are you in the midst of all of this? In the midst of the struggle and the frustration, and, 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 you know, and I don't have time to teach on this, but um, I, I will do my best to do it very quickly. But I heard somebody make a statement one time, and they said, the teacher is always silent when the test is being given. And so when I'm in the middle of my desert, there's actually growth that is happening. God has not abandoned me. He's there. He's still with me. He's still for me. He's just quiet. Why? Because there's growth that needs to happen. I can't do everything for my kids or they will never grow. I have to allow them to stretch and to to develop and to do all of these things. Well, God will do the same for us. And look one day I'll teach on this probably, but there's a a difference of well, you know, that God is testing you so that you fail. God never tests you to fail. God tests you to approve you and it causes you to grow and it strengthens your faith. The devil, so there's there's let's say this way there's a difference between testing and temptation. Sometimes people will say, Well, God's tempting me. No, he's not. The Bible says he can't do that. There is a tempter, he is the devil. God tests us to promote us. The devil tests us to really to take us down. That's really the difference. So even if you find yourself in a moment of saying, God, where are you? I'm out here in this desert. What I have found is that sometimes God will lead me into a desert. Luke 4 actually says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for forty days to be tempted and tried of the enemy. But look what happened at the end of the 40 days. It says that angels actually came and ministered to him and breathed life into him and that he went into ministry to fulfill his calling because of the desert. Without the desert, there would have been no ministry. I'm convinced of that because Jesus walked into the desert as a mortal man. He walked out of that desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes God will allow us to go into a dry season so that we will actually begin to cry out and want... More of him. Because God will meet us at our point of need. The problem is sometimes we don't need him enough. There's not enough need. (laughs) And so he says, if you want to do it by yourself, go ahead. I'm I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. But it's in those moments of where, where God refreshes our soul. It's like, man, our view of God just begins to open up. See, the Bible actually says that we're to have like that childlike faith. We're not to be childlike, but we're to have childlike faith. Just that abandonment. Like, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm carefree. I'm going to let go of all the stress and all the pressure. Like, I've got good news for you. You may be weighed down this morning. It's because you're trying to carry something that God never intended for you to. Let me give you some examples of what this can look like might be with your kids, it might be with your spouse, it may be with a project at work, it might be with a problem at work or an issue that's arise. It may be a business that you own and you're going, man, what are we going to do? And like uh, the economy and all these things that are happening and, and you're wrestling and you're fighting and I've got good news is that God actually just wants to breathe some life into your soul. Like a breath of fresh air that comes like a, on a really hot day. You know, like when you walk from outside and you walked inside and you're like, oh. Some of you didn't even think about it. You should be at wonder at the invention of this thing called an air conditioner. How do we take 90-something degree temperature and we drop it to about 65 or 70? Some of you are probably thinking right now, I wish we wouldn't use it so much because I'm freezing in here. It's for me, okay? I know you might be cold. I'm up here sweating, just so you know. That's sort of true. I am sweating. It's not just for me, but... No, we're to have this, this idea, this view of God. James chapter 1 verse 17 says this, is that every good and every perfect gift is from above and it comes down from our Father of lights with whom there is no uh, variation or shadow of turning. You're like, what does that mean? Anything good comes from God and he doesn't change his mind. Nor does he change. He doesn't shift, he doesn't change, he doesn't say, hey, I do it for this, but I won't do it for that. No, what he does for one, he'll do for any. But we have to, and many of you have heard me use this phrase that sometimes we have to create some space for God to come in and feel. And the problem is that we're too full. We're too full of ourselves. We're too full of what we have. We're too full of what we want. We're too full of what we see. As opposed to saying, God, I need to decrease, just as John the Baptist said, so that, what? So that Christ can increase in my life. So I have to decrease so that the presence of God can increase in my life. See, I think many times we can be like these guys on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and his friend. How would you like to be named Cleopas, by the way? Some of you might be thinking, hmm, would have been better than mine. but No, but we can be like these guys, and we're struggling just to process our lives. We're just trying to figure it out. It's funny how everybody else has their life figured out, but we don't. You ever notice that? Everybody else has got everything figured out, and we're like, but... We have an answer, but we ain't got it figured out. We just don't want to say it. We're trying to process our lives, but we're missing that Christ is right there with us, even speaking to us, and we could be walking right past it. It's in the ordinary and the everyday. It's in the internal wrestlings that He's there. And just like these guys, even on their worst days, there's still wonder to be found. Even in our worst moments, there's there's still wonder to be found. There's that divine curiosity that God wants to actually draw us into. We were singing this earlier. But the God of our greatest moments is also the God of our worst moments and our hardest moments. We say it, the mountaintop and the valley, right? We love to shout about God up here, but go read Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are right here with me. I'm not setting up camp here. I'm not building a house here. I'm walking through this valley. But I thank you that even in the midst of that, that you're right here and your hand is guiding me and leading me, that you've never forsaken me, that you're you're for me. It's in these moments that we have to pay attention because God's wanting to remind us of who he is. And sometimes we get reminded on the mountaintop and sometimes we get reminded in the valleys. But I found that God wants to interrupt our day Just for moments, I'm going to give you a couple things here that ways that I've seen this happen in my own life. Sometimes it may be just reading a book, reading a devotional, and all of a sudden I have to stop reading and just acknowledge, God, man, I I sense your presence in that statement. And God, I, I just acknowledge that I need you. I need you like what they just wrote. Like I didn't have words for it, but they wrote it. And that's exactly how I feel. Don't just keep reading down the pages. Just Stop. The point of, of reading is not to finish the book, right? And look, and I'm bad about this. Like, I got my goal. I, I want to be done by this point. Like, but sometimes it's just better just to shut the book and say, okay, Lord, I need you to talk to me about that. I need you to, like, that's how I feel. And maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's just reading a scripture. You know, people post stuff all the time online, and we see it, and there's just this inspiration, but it hits your heart a little differently. Stop scrolling. And take a moment. Say, God, I invite you into this moment. I I see your word. I invite you into this moment. Maybe you hear somebody preaching a message or maybe it's just a short thought, some little clip that somebody throws out on social media. May even be a song that you hear on the radio that just hits you in a very unusual but yet powerful way. I've had that happen. I've had to pull my car over at times because a song just wrecks me. I mean, wrecks me. I was in one of those desert seasons one time for months and we were trying to figure out what in the world we were supposed to be doing. And I was praying and praying and praying and I was doing everything I knew to do and I'm like, God, you're not talking and this isn't fair and I've done all of this and I've left all this stuff and I came to what, I mean, it was a very frustrating season for me if I'm just totally honest about it. And I'll never forget, I was on the way home. I've been working and I was on the way home and a song came on the radio and it absolutely wrecked me. Not the truck, me. And when I say it wrecked me, I mean, I had to stop because I couldn't see because I was, I was weeping so hard. At just the awesomeness of God's presence in that moment. And it was like I was a dried up desert floor. And it was like the presence of God just started pouring his life into me. In a moment. And I don't know. I, I mean... I don't know what anybody thought who was around. I have no idea. It was an interesting, awesome moment. But it was the very thing that I needed. And it was just because a song that I heard on the radio just hit a certain way. It didn't hit here. It hit down here. But it, And really what it did was it opened up my heart to receive from the Lord. That's why we worship in church, by the way. Because there's something special about Music and and worship that it opens up our heart. You're like, why do we worship? Like, why do we sing? And then why do you preach? There's a method to the madness. Think of it this way, is that worship is like a tiller to till up the soil of our life, of our hearts, so that the word, the seed of God's word can be sown. Seed thrown on hard ground doesn't produce much. So there's life that happens and there's work that's happening even as we worship. And you're like, yeah, but I just don't feel like worshiping. That's the time you need to do it more. It is. I I don't feel like it. Be an adult and do what you don't feel like. (laughs) Right? I mean. (laughs) See, all of these things are God's way of getting our attention. And my encouragement to you today is to lean into that moment. Don't rush by it. Allow your, the, the wonder of your heart to open up even greater so that God can really uh, pour into, into you his presence. And so I want to pray this morning over you as I'm wrapping up, closing up today. Because I believe that there may be some of you and you're like, hey, that desert season you're talking about, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm there right now. Well, God's faithful even in the dry seasons. I've seen it time and time again. I mean, just like there's four seasons that we go through throughout the year, there is a season even spiritually. Like, well, what's the desert season? That's, that's winter. You're like, well, what is that? It's dormant, right? And there's a cycle to it. But what does winter give way to? To spring and new life and growth and flowers and then summer. It's harvest, right? And it's like, I mean, we don't probably understand it quite here but if you were around a farming community summer is a big deal because that's when you make all your money so nobody likes summer but they sure do like the paycheck right and uh you know and then fall everything seems to wither and die and the leaves fall and the everything kind of becomes barren again and it's a cycle well there's not just in the natural there's also spiritual cycles that we go through you have a spiritual winter you have a spiritual spring you have a spiritual summer you have a spiritual fall and that's called growth have you ever notice that trees don't stay the same t- size, they get bigger every year. Well, that's God's design for a tree. It's also God's design for you, is that when you go through the cycle of growth, you grow, you mature, you develop. And so I want to pray this morning over you because <clears throat> I believe that you may be here and you're saying, man, I need my, I need my wonder opened up. I need my heart to open up again because it's been a little closed down. And I want to pray that God in his goodness and in his grace is just going to catch your attention. He's going to stop you in your tracks at some point. I don't know when, but just pay attention for it. And it's going to open up your eyes and open up your heart. And when that happens, those spring rains can come in to that dry moment. And new life can begin to grow. And it'll just be another step in your journey with the Lord. And so I want to pray this morning.